Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you, introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute routing in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share podcast is brought to you by Sendit Philippines. Sendit is the leading payment gateway in the Philippines. Allow your business to accept payments seamlessly from cards, e-wallets, retail outlets, and local banks. For more information, visit sendit.co. Also powered by PDAX. PDAX is a homegrown cryptocurrency exchange that offers the best rates among local cryptocurrency exchanges. Download the PDAX app now on the Google Play Store, App Store, or Huawei App Gallery. Start trading Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other cryptocurrencies for as low as 50 pesos by signing up on podlink.co slash hustlesharepdax. Also by Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. Sign up now at podmetrics.co for free and use the code hustleshare. We just don't know how to stop and just keep pushing. If they said no, keep pushing or find somebody else, right? Until you get things done. Just mere persistence, just mere hard work. <laughs> That's the only thing that really would get you across. Welcome to Hustle Share, the podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now, here is your host, Ron Sturbeet-Yong. Welcome to the latest episode of the Hustle Share Podcast. I sounded weird. Why? I didn't. <laughs> is this my first recording as a married man? Right. So again, um, 
Typically, my cadence is what episode, but I found weird. So maybe that's what marriage does to you. It, it weird, it fucks up your flow, right? And what? <laughs> you should know this because you're also a married man. But before we get carried away, finally we got this guy. We I don't know. This is probably the record of how many times we had to move our shit. You had a bad throat. You had a dry cough for like three, four, five weeks. I had a marriage that I had. I had a wedding that I had to go through. Um, But finally, we're here, and I'm glad we get to tell your story. But again, before I get carried away, let's welcome the founder and CEO of one of the biggest gaming companies in the Philippines. Next way, of course, let's welcome the founder and CEO, Mr. Gabriel Benito. Gabriel, welcome, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much, Ron, for inviting. I'm really happy to be here. And as you may have said, we've moved this meeting all throughout several weeks. And I'm just so happy and excited, you know, finally, to finally have this. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. So many times, like, dude, this guy's dry cough never goes away, huh? <laughs> finally, it's gone. How At many least. weeks was that consecutive? Like, oh, wait, I cannot. My dry cough is still here. Three weeks. I think three weeks, man. Uh, it is bad. Oh, it's man. bad. <laughs> But yeah, I'm very excited um, because again, gaming is again is so meta, right? It's so meta that so that's meta. The term now that being able that's to where we are, meta, right? And again, you've seen how things have have really evolved over the past couple of years to become one of the best and the most promising things uh, in the whole startup land. But before I get carried away again, I need to ask you the million dollar question. Gab, what's your hustle? Right. Well, my hustle is, um, see, it's about empowering gamers, fans, and brands through the power of gaming, esports, and technology mm-hmm. in the digital economy and in the metaverse right there you now. Go. All right. Sounds good. That's very good. And again, just before we just ride our, uh, our, our million-dollar time machine, too, I, I want to understand first, just so that uh, we put context for the people that are listening here of what Nextplay does. Let's just uh, de-jargonize that a little bit. What is Nextplay and what do you guys really do? Sure, sure, sure thing. Well, because Nextplay, right, um, I built Nextplay as a digital ecosystem, right, that really um, essentially builds IP Mm -hmm. around gaming esports, wherein we handle content creators and talents in the space, yep. build professional teams, mm-hmm. right? And also organize virtual esports tournaments. We're yeah. in that allows a space, a virtual world, wherein brands can actually come in and participate in this humongous, massive engagement of our community. Yep. On top of that, now there's a huge surge of an uprise in the NFT simply turn. We're also empowering our business model through that vertical. So it's yep. just super exciting how our ecosystem is now being powered up by the new technology of blockchain. Yeah, it's a whole new universe, not even just a planet. It's a whole new universe and crazier shit have, have, been, have been happening uh, since that. But again, if there's crazy shit, we have a crazy time machine too because I have to have ask you to buckle up because we're going to have to ride the Hustle Share time machine. Here we go. Metaverse. The capo in the metaverse. Boom. All right. We are all the way back because before it became meta, before it became a gaming mogul that you are, I want to understand first, 
your etymology or where your origin story just like a superhero would do. Um, walk me through how growing up was like. Were you really a gamer? Are you one of them kids like me who <laughs> grew up with a brick game or a family <laughs> computer or a PS1 or whatnot? When when did the love for gaming uh you know, enter your life. And I, I yeah. guess I, I want to understand also what are the earlier hustles that you do growing up? Sure. I guess I'd say gamer all my life. I mean, the OG of the OGs. Mm-hmm. I held the Tamagotchis, the Tetris, <laughs> to the Game Boys, the family computers, mm-hmm. the Super NES, the Playstations, to the PCs. Consoles. Right, all throughout the consoles, all throughout the stage of every gaming technology development, Gambinita was there, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I enjoyed it. Right, so uh, full fledged hardcore gamer, got it. Right, so um, I carried this gaming enthusiastic uh, nature of mine through everything that I do, right. even at work. Man, I mean, I work in the agency. For the last uh, eight, uh, six years before I, I ventured into my own business in Nextplay, yep. even the even the commercials that I do, I make sure that there's a gaming element there. <laughs> so I really infuse my passion into into what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess also just to have a snippet of my um, initial science of entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see, man, when I was like, uh, I think that was. Uh, grade three, wow. um, our house in Manila got burned. We were in the news oh, no. and all of our um, belongings was gone. So at that point in time, since my, my mom, my dad, and my brother were, we had nothing and we had to live into a, like an evacuation uh, uh, area yeah. for, for several months. And months. we were only like, okay. we only got the clothes that we were wearing that day. Right. So we started from the ground up to the point that when I was studying in San Beda, when I was in grade school, my mom has to kind of sell on the sides of, of, of San Beda in, in, in um, Holy Spirit area, right? Yeah. In Manjola. And I was there after my For school. For all the Chinese guys are. Or there's yeah, Holy Spirit, St. Jude. <laughs> Okay. You go to Legarda, you're gonna get Kurimao. So no, don't not not <laughs> r- wrong side. You go to the Malacanang side. There you go. Exactly. So, so my first science of entrepreneurship is that after I after I finish my my school, I I help my mom sell these pencils, these ball pens, these notebooks wow. to the oh college God. kids. That's how we kind of started from scratch, like back to zero. We had nothing, right? And. Um, so I, I, that's, that's where my hustle started. I started joining these art competitions in school just mm. to, um, you know, um, make a name for myself at least, right? right. And, um, and all throughout, I've done that. And um, I carried uh, that uh, affinity for creativity and also studying, wherein I, I earned my, my scholarship when I reached college, right? Nice. So um, I was very, I would say, very hardworking. Um, when I was at school, not at all, I would say super intelligent, but mm. uh, creative, I'd say. Right. On the sides, I, I usually sell um, a couple of things to, to my schoolmates to get by and mm. things like that. And I carried this entrepreneurship value all throughout my, 
my, my school days and through mm. my work wherein um, I flew to Singapore and started my venture there, which is Next Play now. Got it. So what, one thing I want to dissect here, because again, crisis teaches you to step up. So the crisis in your, in your case, um, obviously, uh, it's when you, you I, your family lost everything and you, know, you had to start from scratch. And you had to use your God-given talents to make ends meet, right? And to get by. And here's what I want to understand. Because again, um, when crisis happens to you at a very young age, it kind of changes your perspective. You kind of have to grow up really fast. And you have to like understand how life really works, that it that is, is not easy, right? But what I'm very impressive is you n- never really let go of your love for gaming. And that's what I want to ask you. With all this crises happening, right? And you don't have that luxury of just being able to just focus on school and just, you know, if you want to skip classes, you have to go and freaking dick around, play Dota or whatever. How did you maintain your passion for gaming early while you're having to hustle and make ends meet? Right. That's a very good question. And I guess this one will resonate all throughout my life. Gaming has been a sort of an escape for me, mm. right? And it provided like a companionship in another world wherein I know in the real world, it was very hard. Yeah. That was my reality. And gaming provided me a space where I can be uh, a top scorer, right? Um, a person that can achieve new levels and all of that. That gave me a sense of achievement, space, and also inspiration that if I can do it in a game, Right. I can do it. Can also do it in real life. Right. right. So if if I can finish this boss, this next stage, this next challenge, this next difficulty, mm-hmm. I can also apply it to my business. I can also apply it to the challenges I face in real life. Right. And 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 it resonates all throughout my life. Wherein I remember this when I was working in Singapore, there. Culture there is very different, man. Nope. Like it's not in, like in the Philippines. They're very, very Western. like focused on very focused on work, like yes. work, work, nobody talks. Right? Yep. So when I was so stressed back then, when I was working in, in, in the agency world, I, I used to come home and just play games all throughout the weekend. It's kind of my escape, right? right. And by the time I go back on Monday and, at work, I'm fully, fully energized and ready to, to face the challenges. So that essentially really applied all throughout my, 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 my career, uh, essentially, yeah. All right, that's amazing. And I want to drill down also because, again, I'll, I'll, I'll go down the rabbit hole as well. So, again, you're, you're absolutely correct. It becomes your escape. It becomes your safe space where you get to nurture and be you. And, again, be explore, uh, the explorative of what is possible because in, in the uh, rules of gaming, you know, everything is possible. But also, I want to understand because this is very similar also to, to again, a lot of people's backgrounds who went through sports. You really you realize the concept of teamwork that you really can't win alone. You have to get some some help. And one thing that also shapes you are the games that you play, the type of game. So for me, going growing up, I'm an only child, so I kind of have no multiplayer game. There's there's no way to connect to the internet and work play with your friends now. But growing up, I do remember that one one of the most formative games that really hit me is Final Fantasy 8 and Final Fantasy 9. A little bit of 7 also. 
Because in an RPG, yeah, and I understand that, yes, there is a narrative that you have to play, right? But in order for you to really win, you have to do all these side quests and become better. And that takes a long time to freaking level up and acquire the skills and acquire the weapons and whatnot, right? And then, again, you also play team games at, at, at the end of the day, like basketball, whatever. But for you, what were those games that also made that indelible mark? Because if, if it made a mark on me, and I, I consider myself as a casual gamer, what more for you? <laughs> Absolutely. So I guess um, for me, uh, I think there's two games that really kind of resonated um, and kind of changed my mindset in, into gaming. Sure. Right. So number one is Pokemon. All right. Which Pokemon? Number Pokemon Red, specific. Blue, okay. yeah. and Yellow. I can actually right. collect oh, the Game Boy. All right. The there Game Boy. Right. Mm-hmm. I'll explain why later. The other one is Ragnarok. Yes. Right. Porings. So, uh, like Porings and, and all of that. Look like Axis now. Fucking weird. They look like Axis. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, they are very similar to Axis. Yeah. Uh, let me go first with, with Pokemon, how it was transformative for me. Yeah. So I guess um, in the very beginning of games, um, it's always usually RPG that shines the most, right? Yeah. Because this is not connected by internet. And Pokemon has, um, has really was the, the very first game that had me engrossed in hours and hours and hours of gameplay. Yeah, you're just lost in there. Lost in that world. It's like I live in that world to the point that when I lost to those Elite Five, I cried. Yep. <laughs> that yep. was that emotional, you know? Yep. It was that I attachment to my, to, to my being, right? Because yeah. I felt that I am the guy who was in that adventure and I, I want to beat that challenge. And I didn't. I lost. I keep losing. And it was so emotional attachment that I, I cry if I, if I keep losing, right? So I was, it was at that level. That was transformative for me. Now the, the second game that I always look into and remember is uh, Ragnarok, the very mm-hmm. first one, right? Um, I, I guess mainly because it is really the first time that opened my my mind into a, a huge multiplayer experience. Yep. Right. Very meta, able, actually. Pre-meta. Very meta. Mm-hmm. Pre-meta, and the very first time that I saw this, that there's an economy within a game. Mm-hmm. It's like. It's, it's like the world, but only digital. You right. can communicate. You can hunt together. There's buy and selling. It's, it's like a new world that you can just get lost in and spend hours and hours and hours. That's where I actually spent most of my time. I, I, I spent so much money on this um, internet cards, <laughs> dial-ups. <laughs> I used to buy in, in, in the convenience store and just yep. keep on buying and buying and up, up, up. Uh, topping up our internet, right? Mm. And I hate it when our internet gets lost. <laughs> I go out right. to the, the convenience store and buy again. And I just got it so immersed. I created multiple characters, right, yeah. in it. And transformative because, yeah, I felt like I could live in it. You yep. know? So I, I would always remember those experiences playing with my friends. It, it's really amazing. Right. And there's something about gaming that teaches you entrepreneurship indirectly which is persistence because that's what you need in in gaming majority of the time you're gonna lose but all you need is one win and you're never gonna stop until you (laughs) beat that boss or get over that and it's gonna be frustrating a lot of times but the more you fail the more you're more more motivated but yeah there's gonna be a lot of heartache 
there's going to be a lot of times that you want to chuck your whole console to the wall and whatnot, right? Just in order to, to get that. Especially when you come oh so close to winning it and then you freaking die. That's annoying. And just, I just want to share also one more game that's also very transformative in me around high school. And this is why I cuss this way. It's GTA San Andreas. My oh, man. God. Man, still one of the best games of um, all time. I agree. Uh, I agree. You not. There you go. Yeah. Um, so again, it's sorry if I My cast... city? No, um, San Andreas, bro. That's what it that's is. San Andreas. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's again. That's I, that's why I cuss like this because of that game. I never left my system. Right there. All right. So let's go straight to college now. So again, mm-hmm. high school was rough. College was you have to level up, right? Yeah. Pun intended. Um, what I want to understand now again, LaSalle is the hotbed for gamers. Aside from USD, of course, the USD you guys like me. <laughs> But I'm, I've never been again. I'm just a casual. I'm a, I'm a console here. Um, Dota boys and whatnot. How did you fall in love further with gaming? And how obsessed were you? Because, again, you stayed in that area for, for eight years. So you took up, again, uh, college, La Salle, and then you did multimedia in CSB. That's eight long years of love. And that's a hotbed for gaming. In the college scene, people even go there to just compete, Mineski and all that. What tell talk to me about what that experience was like? Absolutely. So, well, the thing is, it's the people that you're with. I guess I'd say that Taft has. Sorry to say, but it's the truth. Has so many bad influences here and there. Yeah, <laughs> you can't it's skip it. If, it's a mixed bag. You yeah. can't skip it if you're there. Right? Mm-hmm. Um. I guess it's my friends, the people that I hang out with. Um, and we spend a lot of time in the cafes playing, playing yep. Dota, playing Left 4 Dead, playing CS, oh, playing um, all of different games within you know, the cafes that's available on the desktop. You kind of look at the, the cafes, right? They all have those games in there. Once you're tired here, you just go to another game that's they installed there. That's right. a usual basic thing, right? And you extend. And extend. You extend. <laughs> things Open like time. that. <laughs> Open time, Ate. Um, uh, to the point that um, they already know us. And can, you can just order Pancit Canton and you just eat there right? Yep. while you're playing games or just yep. uh, order some chicharron within their small snack bar. So <laughs> it's, it's the life, right? It's, mm. it's the lifestyle. Mm. <laughs> so... Um, it's not just spent hours and hours in those to the point that sometimes we forget to go to our class supposedly at 3 p.m. where yeah. we spend the whole lunch supposedly lunchtime only but it was extended and extended and we skip classes just playing. Um, just really about the, the circle that I'm with, I, I'm fortunate to have the, the group of people within, within La Salle that um, I spend my uh, same passions with. Yep. Right, and that's mainly the reason how I was able to sustain my passion for gaming all throughout college. Right, yes. um, yeah, that's amazing. Now, all right, let, let's jump into your real hustle. So, again, you mentioned that you became a multimedia designer again, staying true to your roots in CSB and whatnot. But, what are the skills that you then had to develop? Because, again, gaming is in your heart. But you have to equip yourself with the right tools and skills and level up and acquire new, new moves. But uh, walk me through this because, again, um, 
it's not common again not not throwing shit but um it's not common for creatives people to jump into entrepreneurship and and especially in gaming and succeed right fast because they 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 think differently in terms of the creative spectrum and usually logic is what wins in the in the again in the business world i'm not throwing shit okay let me just clarify that okay i'm just saying that course, through the course. people that i've had here on the show it's not common right not saying it's not possible all right just 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 putting it up you <laughs> got the fan you gen z people <laughs> <laughs> right but what, what 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 was that like um being in the creative space and how did you tickle that itch for mm. you know creating new things while you're gaming on the side Absolutely. So let's go focus on entrepreneurship. Um, you're right, right. All throughout my life, I've been a creative person. Right. Um, from winning a lot of art competitions to um, you know, creating new business models currently right now, to actually being part of the creative directors in the agencies that I've worked with in particular. Right. right. I guess what kind of answers directly your question is that um in my belief is that in order for you to create a unique offering and services to the marketplace, right. you kind of need to be very creative also, right? Yeah. In developing these products and kind of, you have to be kind of creative in kind of connecting the dots yep. um, in building your business model, creative in finding a gap in the market mm. wherein no one is really going after yet and creating those connections, right? right. Wherein, no, I would say going to business, no logical person would actually go into that. <laughs> if you're a very logical person, you wouldn't go entrepreneurship. <laughs> Mainly because True. it's just so hard. Yep. It's just so hard that I, I, I quote Elon Musk on this. It's like you're eating broken glass and staring into the abyss. Yep. It's that tough, right? So I'd say I'm part creative and I'm part insane. And usually insanity and creativity is about the same thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and perhaps that's the concoction for you to be able to, to really develop something innovative, something unique, something interesting, and lastly, something distinctive. Correct. Right. So in my creative career all throughout my life, that enables me to actually create new interesting models that I apply right now into the business right. that you know, when we deliver to the marketplace, when deliver to the, the audiences, to the brands, and even to the investors, they find that, oh, that's a stroke of something very creative, right? So right. that was kind of my, my, my unique angle and approach to the, uh, the business that I'm doing at, at Next Play in particular. Perfect. Now, before I let you go on the, not, I'm not letting you go. Just first place for sure. Again, I'm rusty. Sorry, I just got married. I just got married. My bad. So if I'm not the same motherfucker that you guys are used to, uh, my bad. All right, but I want to understand again before we take our first break. Yes, that was the outcome that you did, but you had to do practice, just like in games. Mm-hmm. You know, you gotta put in the reps, level up, and whatnot. While you were still. Because there's two two uh, things. You you were a multimedia designer and you worked for Ogilvy before you went to Singapore. Yeah. Well, while you're in the Philippines, what were the things that you were building that allowed you to build that confidence that you know what I'm pretty fucking good at this shit too? You know, um, 
that allows you to, again, understand what are the things that you can build on the professional level, giving in a hint of gaming and acquiring new skills that made you a better professional in preparation to, be, to becoming a full-time entrepreneur. Absolutely. What was formative for me, man, in my career in Ogilvy in, in and in the agency that I've been into um, Singapore was the developments of creative thinking. Nice. Because there's a notion before when I was younger that creativity is all about art, it's all about design. Correct. But actually, it is not. Creative thinking is about connecting different ideas and combining them into something unique, into something that hasn't been done. And in my agency background experience, you always look for this big idea. Right. Right. What is the big idea? What is the main strategy? Right. Mm-hmm. And when I was, when I actually came in and into Ogilvy, I, I was a fresh grad. Wow. And they have a very strict hiring process there. But the thing is, it was the boss who actually hired me directly. There wasn't even anyone below. So I guess my inspiration and my boss back then saw something in me, which I haven't seen, which, you know, when you're at that position, you kind of want to see rough diamonds and try to develop them. And my experience in in those agency backgrounds really molded me to what I am today. Because it, because it was those all-nighters, it was sleeping in the office, it was spending weekends, right. grinding and grinding, and it kind of changed the way I think. I felt that I, my mind expanded into a whole new level because of that grind, yeah. right? So that actually provided a platform for me to, to grow leaps and bounds beyond where my, um, I'd say, my peers were. So that, that kind of forced me to grow again, right? Yeah. It's another uncon- being in an inco- uncomfortable place yeah. that allowed us to expand and grow because I was so much in pain growing. It was not um, things that I'm used to. Mm-hmm. It was actually very painful, yeah. uh, things that I haven't learned yet, right? So those creative thinking, that big idea, expansion in, term- in terms of strategy and imagination, allowed me to kind of uh, uh, leap, uh, leapfrog and springboard to entrepreneurship and prepared me on that front. Yeah. That's amazing. All right. Well, let's see. Now let's take our first break. And when we come back, let's now talk about how you went to Singapore and also built Nextplay and get the doggy doggy star on board. Let's we'll talk about <laughs> awesome. that more after the break. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate their growth. Submit your pitch to Impact24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at saschallenge.ph. That's saschallenge.ph. And good luck and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back from the break. We are still with Gabriel Benito, who then told us how he hustled in the creative industry in Manila when he was here again. Had to hustle. Again, earn your stripes, grind it out, which again, I have to remind hustle culture is always going to be there. The ones that are you're listening to now in this podcast, unfortunately, had to die repeatedly and respond some way as a better person, as a leveled up person, because they had to hustle. If you're trying to be successful, there's no other way. There's no shortcuts. All right. If you want to achieve your dreams, the only way to get there or even yet give yourself a fighting chance because there's no guarantees it's by hustling so if you're part of the anti-hustle culture you're in the wrong podcast my man because everybody here are motherfucking hustlers just like Gabby. all right so yeah what i understand is that again you came from ogilvy 2014 and then you had to just make it more difficult for yourself huh you went down south <laughs> and went to Singapore this time to chase a bigger dream and become a creative yeah. art director. Now, again, Singapore is not an easy market to crack. Things are expensive, people are competitive, and it's not home. But a lot of people that I've also had who had experience in working in Singapore ended up becoming better and also ended up becoming entrepreneurs. I want to understand. I don't know what it is the Merlion feeds you, but <laughs> something in that water. Yeah, something in the water that 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 thing pukes out, right? Um, but I want to understand how how that experience was like because people that have worked in Singapore always ends yeah. up going back home with a different perspective. What was that like? Yeah, man. I mean, you said it right. But let me go through the reason why I actually went there first. <clears throat> it was brought about two factors. Number one, I wanted to help my family. I wanted to help my family. 
um, financially. Number two, I was heartbroken. Okay. I need to escape. There you go. That's all right. There's gay lang always. Just kidding. <laughs> Oh man. oh man! Oh man! Let's not talk about that. But everybody knows it. Okay, Orchard Road. Then Orchard Road. You know the places, huh? You know oh, the places. Okay, lah, la, There you go. So those two factors, right? And again, going there forced me to grow. And actually, I forced myself grow. And I felt that, look, if I stay here. Go throughout the motions of of, of um, my 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 job right now. I kind of reached the point that I think this is it. Yep. I need another challenge. I need another mountain to climb. Right. And I know I my I went to my mom. I remember I said and to my dad. I said, guys, I'm 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 looking to go to Singapore, and they said no. I guess all throughout my life in what I do, they always say no. But I remember I wanted to start next day. They said no. <laughs> and I did. I still did. I guess. Yeah. Um, so they said no because I guess as as parents they're just scared for you, right? Right. I mean, you're gonna be um, away from home. You don't know what you're gonna do there, right? And um, they're not there with you, or not even near. And you're gonna travel into a whole new experience, a whole new world with nobody to support you. But I guess all throughout my life, also I've always been looking for something very challenging. Yeah. My work. And now to Singapore, mm. right? Um, and those are, those are the things that pushed me towards there. Now I went to Singapore, mm. right? I, I I applied, and I, I guess I think about two weeks after I got an offer, then you boom, went there without I, an offer. You went I went there with list? an offer. Oh, okay, cool. I went there with an offer. I applied, and I was in the market looking for jobs back then. And after two weeks, I got it, right? Um, it was quite quick, and I just jumped. I just jumped. I got the first offer. I jumped. I didn't choose. I, I just went for it. Right? Mm. So I went there. I was I, I was so shocked of the culture yeah. that is very different from the Philippines. Yes. People, I'm sorry to say, just being frank, people were not as friendly as Filipinos. Nope. Nope. <laughs> not at all. But they were very career driven. Super. You see, everything was so efficient. To that part of Singapore, I admire. Because they get things done, right? When you want to do something, it's done, executed as fast as possible, as quick as possible, as efficient and as good quality mm-hmm. as possible. And you can see it in all throughout their country, yep. right? And that's what's amazing about them. And I guess in my stay there, I also was able to apply that in, yeah. in my working. At the same time, I was so immersed in the startup culture there. I'd say their culture and tech hub there is much more advanced. Yep. Kind of a mini Silicon Valley. It is. I used to go. It is, right? I go to their conferences, their talks. It's everywhere. Like every building, ha- they're talking about tech. They're talking about startups. They're talking about new ventures, right. marketing. There's so many things happening in, in, in that small space that yeah. cultivates the whole startup ecosystem. <clears throat> they even have a lot of um, mini Silicon Valleys in each of the different, um, 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 I would say, um, uh, areas there, right? Yeah. So uh, I was so immersed. I attended most of it. I always, bo- I tried to book my weekends just attending those talks and on. 
Right. And it came to a point that I was thinking, hey, I've been creating things all my life for somebody else, creating products, apps, webs, um, products for brands, for mm. companies, for clients. I can do this. I can do things mm-hmm. by building my own thing, right? So I was uh, contemplating all throughout <clears throat> my experience there. And it came to a point that um, whenever I get home, I was always so tired. I was always so um, um, uh, flushed and gaming was my escape. Right. right. And I wanted to stream games because I just wanted to um, provide other people and, and, and share with them my, my game experience. And back then, at that point in time, there wasn't an app that allowed me to stream when I was just sitting in the couch or just lying down in the bed because I was lazy that way. <laughs> I didn't want to sit on the PC and, and stream. So I, I said to myself, can I develop this? So I, I, I looked for a developer within my company and we tried to do this side hustle. <laughs> so every time that there's a break time, we develop this, this technology, this app, and so on. Um, all throughout that six months, we built an MVP. I wow. pitched it to, to MediaCorp, and right away when they saw it, they wanted to fund it. So Media fucking corp, the biggest media company in Singapore. Yeah, that's right. Wow. And all I had, all I had was mini MVP in a phone. Barely working, <laughs> and I showed it wow. to them. Wow! This product. What do you think? <laughs> okay, we want to fund it. Right. So that's where my entrepreneurship started. That's my like my first foray into building something, fundraising for it, and you know, it's what I see in the startup conventions. What I see in startup mm-hmm. talks, and I say, "Hey, cool." It actually works. That's amazing. <laughs> wow. That's, that's, that's actually very unorthodox too because not everybody gets that first yes right away in the first shot. Most people eat a lot of no's and die and respawn before they even get it. I Actually, I just going back, Chuck, before, before I got a yes from MediaCorp, okay. I always tell this. My first foray, because I don't know anything about creating decks, pitching, yeah. and all of that, I had to email 3,000 investors. What? I blasted emails, cold emails, because I don't have any warm intros. I'm a nobody back then, right? Right. I emailed them, cold email. I looked into all the investor lists within Southeast Asia, even outside of Southeast Asia. (laughs) I just just found emails. I have an invention. I have an app. Fund it. This is my plan. And to the um, point that I that Google mail blocked my email exactly, because I was sending so spamming. email a day. Right. I was spamming. So uh, that's what I did before I got an actually a, a meeting with MediaCorp, right? My, my one of my very first um pitch. Uh, it's yeah. was so terrifying, by the way. Uh, <laughs> well, you got um, it. So yeah, but actually, um uh, when when I went to MediaCorp, just a quick story. Um uh, I didn't get the funds in MediaCorp right? mm. because they wanted me to stay in Singapore. But I said, you know, in order for me to grow this, I had to go back to PH and actually build a team there for it to be sustainable. And I'm probably going to go back to SG when, when I raise a bigger fund. Right. And um, uh, it, it didn't push through. But the, one of the board 
inside that panel was a Filipino, right? And that connected me to other Indian investors. And that's how I got my start. That's amazing. Through the hustle. <laughs> it's still the kababayan that helped us out. Kababayan, yeah. There you go. So, all right. Hello. Now, again, great job. You got someone to believe. But you were a greenhorn, my man. This is your first startup, right? And you've never put up a company before. And just, I, I've been through that route. It's scary as fuck. You know, there's nothing scarier, right? You feel like you're you're fish out of water and you don't know what to do. But what did you do now? So you had this product. And looking at what NextPlay is and how you've done talent management, how did you guys evolve? And what are the first things you initially did to build this company? So awesome. Yeah, so we built an app, right? We raised funds for it. We raised mm-hmm. an angel around, right? In 2018. Mm-hmm. And um, we used those funds to actually develop it okay. and build it, acquire users and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we did that from 20, Q2 of 2018 up to the end of 2019. Wow. And we used most of the funds to acquire users. But as you may know, developing a product and acquiring users is not cheap, right? Nope. And becomes so ex- more expensive. And as you may see, profitability will be down down the road, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is, end of 2019 and beginning of 2020, pandemic hit, man. And it hit hard, right? Wow. Um, that was a point in time wherein I was raising funds for my next stage to actually fuel the QA, the UA, mm-hmm. the user acquisition and further development. And it was it was tough. Yeah. It was tough to raise funds at that point in time. And um, and as a founder entrepreneur, I had to choose whether do I you know, keep raising and there's a potential that I might be able to raise as fast as I could because investors at that point in time were a bit, you know, um, uh, managing the pandemic situation, mm-hmm. right? So they're a bit closed, right? So whether, whether I risk that or... Do I make my company sustainable wherein I actually don't need investment to fuel the business? Profit. Yeah. Profit. I focus on profit. So I chose the latter. Okay. Right? I chose the latter. Um, and 12 years after, early this 2021, became, became profitable, became sustainable. Wow. Um, throughout that experience. Mm. Right? And on that experience as well, that's where we evolved and develop multiple um, esports and gaming verticals that allowed us to expand into next teams, which is our management professional teams, okay. next talents, which is our foray into gaming influencers, Got and it. also our new next league, which mm-hmm. is our virtual esports tournaments, right? Got it. But I never forget about tech because we're using technology to actually empower our brands and creators by providing them dashboards analytics yeah. right that empowers the whole um, ecosystem that operates on top of it correct right? and now because of the surge of the metaverse we are right now foraying into nfts and play to earn that is nice. still very synergistic with our ecosystem because mm-hmm. we already have about about 200 plus million followers and fan base across wow. uh, southeast asia and multiple partners that would help us give a head start into the NFT and play their own space. Um, that's amazing. Well. Now, yeah. now I, I want to understand uh, that's that's an amazing achievement that you guys done, and you did a successful pivot. 
right there because most 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 companies are are faced with that type of dilemma especially during the mm-hmm. pandemic and the ones that are thriving now are those ones who are able to do it fast and do it right right um instead of just trying to you know I'm just going to try to plow through and come what me no you got to you got to make tough decisions right yeah. but those tough decisions also come with really good um risk analysis because you were not going to make those decisions if you did if you didn't see that there might be a fighting chance right now what did you build just one thing that you did i'm pretty sure prior to jumping into this full you know um change of direction while the, what tech is, is being built there's there's foundational pieces there and i want to mm-hmm. find out how you got the 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 big boys that gave you the name on that because that's hard and i had a similar route in podcast network asia where okay i was the first podcaster what the fuck do i know i'm just a startup guy right? <laughs> and cussing all the way and then i had to get all these very popular things which is not in my ballpark i knew some of them but again who the hell was i right and you you're now looking into again across the doggies and all these guys who were again behemoths in their own right how did you get those type of guys that allowed you to also build the brand alongside with it right great question um i guess there's not not no real secret sauce i'd say you know in in particular but it's the combination of the concoction of what we do at nextly okay right um uh i guess what the other guys have not been able to do to actually get these um, popular content creators and gamers players in the space mm-hmm. is that they forget why you do it and i always when i pitch to these big creators these big game changers in the space is that i always tell them where we want to go and i tell them where they fit in that puzzle in order for us to get there Yeah. Right. So I show them the vision of next play, and at that point, they get excited, and they feel that they can contribute to the company. Right. Um. I, there, I said my secret. <laughs> there. <laughs> that's that's really, I guess, one of the um the game changers that I that I did uh, in order to acquire all of the big names is buy-in. you need their buy-ins. Right, yeah. and you kind of need to show them what's the difference between you and the next guy, right. and why they should go to you instead. Got it. And you kind of want to show them their future mm-hmm. on their behalf because they can't see it. And mm-hmm. you, as a founder, uh, as the as the visionary, need to be able to explain that to them mm-hmm. and inspire them to join your cause because mm-hmm. it's all about joining the the group and its cause, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and campaigning for that company, um, I guess that was I was good at in in acquiring those those uh, yeah. big names and creators. Mm-hmm. And it I guess it also resonated with our team, mm-hmm. right? With our partners. Uh, but but by really showing where we want to go into the space and you know why you're doing it, um, mm-hmm. um, I I never forget that you know mm-hmm. the moment that I, I speak to them. Why are we doing it as a next play? Right? And they understand, and they get inspired, and and they would say, "Gab, let's do it. Let's All do right. it together. Let's join. Right. I'll join you." Yeah. 
That's amazing. But again, you mentioned it. No man is an island. You can't do this alone, my man. So again, being a greenhorn, you had some mobile funding, you had tech that was in, but this business of managing people, right, requires constant compensation and constant reminder of what exactly that big picture was. Because you kind of have to, again, constantly remind them that this is where we're going. And if people are feel like they, they're not being taken care of, and you, lo- you lose them too, right? We're in a, in a similar way and actually eerily similar. That's what we do in Podcast Network Asia, right? You know, we tell them that, hey, this is where we're trying to go. We're trying to grow with you, but you're, you, you being at the centerpiece of, of that. And again, we, we've gone crazy town that I've never, ever envisioned that we're ever going to get in the podcast, podcasting space. But I could not do that alone. I needed a shit ton of help. What type of help did you get? And who were they and how did you get them on board? Absolutely. So you're absolutely right. Um, I always tell to, to, to my team and also to my partners that um, same thing, same verbatim, I cannot do this alone, right? Yeah. And I'd say I'd always go to my advisors and investors, the first people who really believed in me, yeah. right? I'm very grateful that um, my chairman has always been there, my angel investor, Mayank. Who was my very first, um, the person who believed in me, right? Um, he was connected to the person in the board in Media Corp, right? Oh, yes, <laughs> so, yes. so I always go back to him, and he seems to be my 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 big brother. This is old already, like a guru. Mm-hmm, <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah, he, he invests in a, a lot of startups, right? So, I go to the, to our investors, to our advisors, to our board, and mm-hmm. and, and now in particular, Lisa, for shout out um, to for advices right um, to my advisor in brain sparks uh, Lyle and RT right? shout out they've, to them boys what's up there you go shout out to them um, they've always guided me even in my pivots right? right when I'm faced with very hard decision this guys has always um, had my back right um, I never forget those because at the end of the day they're the people who actually you know actually talk to you um, in, in reality and transparency that gap, you know, this is the direction that you might take. This is the good, this is the bad, and all of which this might not be looking at, and so on. So I think those are the people that are kind of foundational in my journey uh, right now, uh, more than ever. And of course, um, industry partners, right? Within the industry, I partnered um, even with competitors. Wow. <laughs> I speak to even competitors, right? And I turn competitors into friends. Yep. Co-operation. <laughs> That's what they That's call right. it. That's um, right. Um, now I've created those competitor friends. And right now we're helping each other all throughout the region. Yep. And with fellow entrepreneurs, fellow CEOs, I actually sometimes just go to them and just fill out my problems. And the same thing they do to me. Mm. Right? Mainly because these fellow entrepreneurs, these fellow CEOs, founders, they know how hard it is. They know the hustle. They right. know the ups and the downs, mm-hmm. right? And those are very formative. Sometimes you just don't talk about business with this other mm-hmm. CEOs. You talk about how hard things were and you just went out, right? Yep. Um, those were very helpful in, in building, in building my, um, I guess, uh, uh, entrepreneurship journey. Yeah. Nice. All right. Now, let's say, uh, I want to ask one more thing before we take 
our last break. Fundraising in the middle of a fucking pandemic. It's just virtually unheard of. I'm almost done, but oh my God, this is so hard. And I know you just recently did yours, but it's especially hard when you're fundraising in the middle of pandemic and you're fresh out of the pivot and you're based out of the Philippines. Yes, you'll have you know regional stuff, but still, people look at you with a with this in the same lens that you're a Filipino company. How were you able to do it? Because it's so hard to do. Absolutely, um, really tough. Very, very tough. Um, I guess one position that um, had an angle where in the company is incorporated in Singapore. And yes. I involve my chairman into um, uh, conversations. In particular, when you want to close, I involve him and he's based out of SG as well. Right. So, um, and I always try to position Nextplay as a, as a uh, Singapore company, which is a regional player in particular. Right? Yeah. And that added a little bit of a push and uh, an advantage um, in terms of fundraising, kind of an angle of which, right? But that doesn't take away how difficult it was to do it because for me, I it was much easier if you can actually talk to somebody in, in face-to-face. Yeah. Right? Um, it was, I was fundraising that way with my previous rounds. Right. <laughs> it was just so much easier. Yeah. <laughs> um, but now we're all virtual so there's that, that sense of um, you know um, disconnectedness at least and also the outlook of the whole pandemic scene right um, it, it puts a strain on the whole fundraising process it prolongs things the, the exchange of um, replies between um, uh, startups and um, investors also takes a long time. Yep. But the thing is, you know, as a startup, you are using runways, right? Capital. And time for us is actually the most um, valuable resource. Yes. Right? So that also added a lot of stream. Um, but the thing is, I'm going to point back to what you said about hustling. Yes. It's all is about persistence. It's always about being makulet. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's always about being and keep pushing. Because I believe that was the only thing that actually made me different, made us different. Correct. Because even if we get so many no's, we just don't know how to give up. Yep. We just don't know how to stop and just keep pushing. If they said no, keep pushing or find somebody else. Uh-huh. Right? Until you get things done. Yep. Just mere persistence, just mere hard work. Absolutely. <laughs> That's the only thing that really would get you across. A fucking man. All right. Now let's take your last break. And when we come back, let's now pay it forward to the rest of the metaverse. And again, tell us what's up next for you guys in next play. Well, let's talk about that more after the break. <laughs> Hey, Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again, and we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Crowd Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter. 
as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's payroll starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll in HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions for liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Pilipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoost time deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn and flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named FinTech of the Year at last year's Philippine FinTech Festival in 2020. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. 
For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer. Trust DragonPay. And we're back from the break. We are still with Gab Benito again of Next Play, who's now told us how he was able to keep persisting and hustling to eventually get over the top. But one thing that I'm very, very, again, impressed is it's hard to do a pivot and turn into profit and get the pivot right. What were those things that you guys did that allowed you to really zero in on the metrics that matter, which is cash flow? Because it's easy to just do pivot and it's just another long shot with, with no, you know, it's a Hail Mary. There's no, no returns in sight. But how did you pivot? Because that, that is the strongest narrative when you're trying to do fundraising as well, right? You know, that you've actually fucking figured it out, right? What did you guys do and how did you zero in on those things? Awesome. So I guess it goes on first principles. When you are faced with a challenge, what do you do? You focus on your strengths. Yes. Right? You focus on what you're good at because that increases your success rate. Correct. It's just like fighting a boss. Fighting a boss, you're good at using a bow and arrow or a sword. Right? You know that boss is going to be difficult. Are you going to use a weapon that you're not used to? No. Correct. You're going to use back to your a weapon. Yeah, you're going to go back to your go-to move and spam that move until you get it done, until you beat that boss. Yes. That's what I did. I looked into what we have in the company. I look at what we're good at. I look at what we need, which is cash flow. Right? And I took those all um, ingredients and tried to find out which direction would give us the highest success rate. Mm-hmm. So I looked into myself. I'm good at brands. Yep. I'm good at um, agencies. Yep. Right. I'm good at my consumers. I know what they want. I know which copy to write. I know yep. which artwork that they would convert to. Mm-hmm. I know their psychology. I know how to target them. Right. So that was kind of the basis mm-hmm. of where I pivoted the model on those principles, right? Right. Your strengths, focus on those and build products on top of those. Correct. And sell the living fuck out of those things. Sell the living fuck out of it. (laughs) (laughs) So I knew that I could make a ton of money by brands because I know how to deliver value to them because I hold the viewership the followers, the engagement, and I know what the brands are looking for. Yeah. Viewership, engagement, conversions. Mm-hmm. I have all of those. All I need to do is to just merge them together. Exactly. In a unique way that is not traditional. That has an angle to it. Mm-hmm. Just gaming esports. Now that became our unique offering to them. So mm-hmm. I went to the market right away in the middle, in, in the beginning of that pandemic around Feb and March when things yeah. are starting to lock down. Mm-hmm. I had to move fast. I told to my advisors and say, uh, that was that's about New Year. Everyone was busy, right? I told mm-hmm. my advisors, I had to make a decision. Um, mm-hmm. I took in all your advices and I had to do this. And right. I pitched it to them and said, Gab, do you think that's where we should go? Do it. Wow. Right? And I, I got their buy-in. I did that, focus on the strengths. And we look at our cash flow. It slowly became sustainable, 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 nice. and then became profitable. 
Okay, that's and amazing. That allowed me to to have a successful pivot, and now um, venturing into new things. Nice. Now, one thing about pivots too is, as the bigger your team gets, the the, the harder it is to get. Just like you know, it's easy to maneuver a small tricycle or a tr- small bike because it's small and you're nimble. But as you grow, pivoting is also requires a shit ton of effort um, to do. Uh, it's very similar again to what we do, were doing in PNA, where again, just like what you did, we focus on our strengths, right? We productize what we're really good at, and now we have this uh, podcast SaaS. That allows any type of podcaster that wanna that wants to create shows. And because, dude, we've been able to do like 200 plus shows in Southeast Asia. Nobody has that scale. So it's like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's double down. Let's see how far we can go with this shit. But we want to productize and optimize, right? And and use AI to our advantage, right? Um, nice. so that's true. But what one thing I went through, yeah, that's hard is because I had a sizable team, and pivoting in a sizable team requires a lot of buy-in. Because when you pivot as a small team, it's easy. It's like, all right, let's go it. Follow me. Trust my word. All right, whatever. And when we're talking to like 50 people in multiple countries, there's a lot of confused motherfuckers that's going to have, you're going to have, it's like, why are we doing this? Blah, 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 blah. And you're going to have to pitch them first before you even, you know, take move and take it step by step. Now you're going to have to do, do it by phases and all that. Did you have a similar experience and how did you get everybody's buy-in um, to do that pivot? And then obviously, again, hindsight 2020, it was the right move. But what were those things you had to get? Because one false move, let's say you pivot and somebody has somebody in or a couple of guys there does not have buy-in or 100% uh, trust on you, that can spell the end for your startup. Absolutely, absolutely. And you're right. When you get to a point where in your sizable team, you're about 50 plus also. And not only that, we have about 100 plus content creators back then, exactly. right? Um, what do you do? So I remember back then when I was pitching it to our um, advisors and investors of my, my, my direction, it was tough. Because I had to pitch it to them on several meetings. I had to pitch the top first, right, of the direction. That was um, around Christmas time. Oh, no. And we took a break. (laughs) I I still remember it very clearly because it was a move that I had to be very critical about and detailed about. Yeah. Then um, in the beginning of January, um, I had to get an all-hands meeting with the team, right? And um, I had to explain to them overall. And that wasn't enough. I had to go drill down to the heads and explain to them the plan and where we have to go and why we need to do it, right? To the point that um, on some occasions, I had to drill down to the ones under the heads and actually explain to them because they have questions. They were like, yeah, why are we doing this? Mm. Why why, why this now, right? And you have to explain to them because the moment that the team is kind of confused, where they don't understand why we're going this way because they would see anyway, right? They would, we would be pushing efforts that would be outside of our comfort zone on the previous year. They would ask a lot of questions. So it got me to a point that I had to talk to multiple really employees on a one-on-one level to explain to them the reason why, yep. and the purpose of it and the necessity of it 
right? And that our survival kind of hangs on it. You know, yes. <laughs> I try yes. transparently. Um, at some point in time, at that point, like I'm not like sugarcoating things. You no, know? it 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 has to be real. Um, and I think as a founder, you you also need to have that ability to just be real with with your your employees and not let, let them live on like clouds. That I need you to understand this because I need your help to actually help us get there. Right? And it was a tough conversation, right? Um, so I had to do a lot of buy-in from the top until to the bottom and then circle back <laughs> and had to do it by myself because yep. you're the person who's driving. Correct. You have to let everybody know from the back, this is where we're going to go, guys. Yep. <laughs> You know, so you have to explain to them like real clear and the purpose, the why, the principle of it, basically. And more than anything, trust. Just, just have faith in it. Because again, you know, we've come this far, but again, if they have faith in you as a leader, and you, you know, you're not gonna let them down. You're gonna get that. I have, I have several questions for you in terms of um, your journey, and I want to pay it forward. For you, what was the hardest part of making that jump? Because everybody, every one of us had to stumble multiple times and had to overcome all these big bosses or your King Koopas in order to get to the next bridge. And how did you overcome that? Um, I guess just to detail down the question, are you talking about the startup or life overall? Both can be because that that what as a startup founder those are those lines <laughs> are blurred, my man. Right? Yeah. All right. Cool. So I guess I put it in a specific moment in time. We're in. I had I I created a company, hmm. right? And of course, a startup has limited funds back then when you yeah. when we were not profitable. And I'm looking at our dreaded cash burn. Oh no! Right. So that was very tough. Um, that was about end of 2019, wherein I had about three to two to three months left of runway. Oh, fuck. That's where I needed had to pivot, right? And I had to make myself sustainable and I had to raise funds quickly. Right. And good thing all those happened very quickly, successfully. At the same time, on a life level, <clears throat> that's where my wife is pregnant. He was about oh, to, she was about to give birth. Right? Um, that was so tough. See? Oh my um, God. So life was there and startup difficulty was there. But because oh do note, right? When, when, when the wife's pregnant, their home was a different. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yep. So I had to balance that, right? And, what and the, once the, a baby goes out, that's another hell of a responsibility. That's another that hell of a responsibility. But check this out. Mm. Me, myself, as the founder and also a would-be father, has three months runway left. Wow. And I have to sustain my son. Yeah. And I have to sustain, I think, about 40-plus people there. Shit. Can you imagine the weight on my shoulders, man? Yeah, right. I, I, I can relate. I, I've been there so many times. But how did you overcome this thing? Um, perseverance. Mm-hmm. Perseverance and asking support from different um, entrepreneurs, advisors, investors. Mm-hmm. 
because mm. I guess you know other entrepreneurs like you've like you've said yourself has gone through it, yeah. and they're the only few people in the world that actually understands you. Absolutely. What you're what you're going through, right? Yeah. And the good thing about it is that they've overcome it, and they tried to pay it forward to me by giving me advice on how to do it, mm. right? Um, and in that specific moment in time, in both life and work, it's kind of in the balance. I had to move quickly because this is what I realized where I'm partly good at is mm. when I'm faced of a challenge, a lot of times people get paralyzed. People yep. can't move. They will tend people pressure. People get stuck. And, uh, you know, they just cannot decide. I guess one of the great things about uh, me was when I'm put into a pressure, I'm able to kind of act. And I'm able to kind of act quickly. You rise to the occasion. I rise to the occasion. And I guess when you're a founder, entrepreneur, CEO, that's what you need. Because people trust you. People follow you. People depend on you. Not only your staff, your employer team, your investors, your audience, but also your family. Right? Hero mode so, and super saiyan mode right there. You know? That's right. I had to go super saiyan back then. <laughs> <laughs> I, had to, I had to like plan things out on a whiteboard right. and map out everything. So this is the plan here. Okay, this is where it should go. This is what you should do at this point in time. This is the timetable. Oh. So all of that, you need to kind of map out in your mind and you need to execute. So I guess that's that's really what sets us apart, you know, and that's what molds us uh, through those very difficult moments. And and that's that's one I've 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 literally just gone through that just a couple of weeks back, and that's why it's important that you surround yourself with people that are really looking out for you, and whether they're investors, friends, again, startup entrepreneur friends. Unfortunately, there's not too many of us out there, but reach out. Because those you won't believe how many people are just going to be more than willing to give you a hand because they've been through that. And they're, they're trying to be that person that they needed when they were in that situation. Because a lot of those people, a lot of those times when they were in that situation, there's not too many people to run to. Because again, it, things were just starting out. But I want to focus more on what exact help you got. Because I remember in my journey... I'm fortunate that I've surrounded myself with great investors that really looked out after when runway was short, like fuck it. it, it people will lead you to a way. And that's where it, uh, again, me, I'm the first time having a team or a co-founding team that really are sharing the burden, not just on my shoulders. So I can, you know, um, rise to the occasion as well, but that's not possible if I didn't get help. Because I, I could have gone super Saiyan as well. But if I was alone and I was going after an army or the planet was about to implode and I'm alone, it's not going to work. I needed help. I needed to get good help. Was there a specific great advice that you got or a great you know, uh, help that you got that sticks through more than anything? Absolutely. Yes, um, I guess it's a mix of people. Okay. And like you, I had to reach out as well. 
because mm-hmm. if I don't, I go crazy. And yeah. anyone on that position would just go crazy and just break down. Exactly. You know, I I reached out to my wife first of all. Yes, the wife is the most important one. Okay, <laughs> she's the first, right? She's the first. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I speak to her, and she was um, foundational to my to my to to where I was back then in that moment because she was my constant um, um, inspiration who tried to push me. Correct. You know, at that point in time, you're so much stressed and and a bit down. Mm. They kind of lift you up emotionally and I think that's fundamental they put you a state wherein you can actually do it yep right even those things were impossible they make you think that you can do something impossible and that puts you on another state wherein hey I I might be able it starts from I can't do it I can't do it to I might be able to do it to a state and hey I can do this do it that's why we do it so they help you get there right so your partner in life was very crucial um next i went to my family of course i went to my parents Mm. stayed them the the problem i got some sage advice here and there about you know um doing it keep 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 going at it right even if they don't know the business i guess they being parents they're always there right went to my friends um and of course i went to my chairman my guru <laughs> my mentor <laughs> um so not only that he provided advice right um, but he also provided financial support because he was my very first investor so when things are tough he was there right let's give and, this chairman uh, a proper shout out because you've been mentioning him too much but he's still anonymous <laughs> till now let's no, give I, him I the love his, his name is mayang hmm? mayang parek I mentioned Derek. him earlier. Derek, sorry. I'm just step. My bad. Okay. Shout out to him. <laughs> yeah. There. So there he's my mentor. Um, and at that point in time, uh, my investors, Lyle and Artie, was there also. They yep. provided me huge support um, uh, on, on, on the direction. Mm. Right? So amazing stuff. And um, at that point in time, um, they also came in on the, on, on the fundraise. Nice. So, it was it was a huge help. It was a huge help, and, and many other ancient investors that um, that I, I couldn't mention. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so financially, they were there, right? Um, and also advice. Okay. So I was very. I'm also grateful in um, this entrepreneurship journey that you not only share friends, family, but also business partners mm-hmm. who um, brought us, you know, uh, sustainable financial mm-hmm. um, support mm-hmm. and also business. Yes. And those are the people that you would need because, again, in this journey, you can never do it alone. Absolutely. And if you're listening to this and you're a startup founder and you, you don't have the angel investors yet, you don't have the team yet, you don't have, again, the funding yet, and things feel this way already, you'd be more surprised also because people are just going to be more than willing to help anyone like for us you, you you reach out to any of those startups that have been here on hustle share we might not be able to give you funding right away we might not be able to give you the exact same resource that you need but a referral that ends up becoming a customer would change a direct the trajectory or 
an advice from a someone who actually understands the game better than you do would change the whole the whole you know trajectory of your startup. But the most important thing, and I think this is what what Jab would probably agree to as well, is you just have to ask. You need to humble yourself and tell that you know what I fucking need help. Yep. Because you can't do it alone, right? Um, and through that, it already increases your chances of survival and eventually gives you more time to keep surviving until you thrive. All right, last few questions. Again, Gab, uh, it's a great conversation sure. we're having here. Competition. Okay. This is a cutthroat thing, you know, borderline showbiz sometimes, fucking gaming. <laughs> but how do you, again, how did you choose to cooperate or cooperation? Choose cooperation, then do the 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 old school way of just throwing shit at each other. <laughs> Absolutely. So, going back again to games. Yeah. <laughs> In games, you cannot be all brawn. Yep. Right. You cannot all be punching your way to the boss. Can't be a tank all the time. Okay. You can be a tank all the time. And most of the time, you need to be a strategist. Correct. Right? That's why I love card games also. It's like chess. Right? Now, you kind of need to look at the board. You're, the board is the region. The board is your market landscape. How do you win it? Right? What are the pieces, the moving pieces that you need to do in order to win? And it's not always about beating the next one beside you or your competition. Like you kind of look at it on a macro level, how will actually benefit you? And that's what the art of war said, right? There you go. <laughs> the best way to defeat an enemy is not by force, right? So um, that's what I looked at. And one core, um, I guess, um, uh, competition that I've done last year only that brought about good outcome to... Um, both of our companies was with Evos, right? There you go. Yeah, Ivan Yo was a was a friend throughout the years, and um, we've been thinking about working together in particular. We know on hindsight that our companies is quite competitive to one another because I ventured into esports teams. Sure. But we've always retained this, um, you know, conversations in helping each other in fellow entrepreneurs, fellow CEOs. Um, I poise him my problems, he poised his problems and mine. So we share each other's, um, we, we provide advice on, on, on one another. And it came to a point that we said, hey, you know, instead of us like having competitive teams battling each other on like the MOBA, right? Why don't we just create an IP wherein we build them together? So it's called Next Play Evos in particular. There you go. And that created a lot of opportunity because yeah. he now has access to the Philippine market of 100 million audience mm -hmm. and the brands over here. And now I have access to the 300 million audience to his Indonesian market. There you go. Right? So instead of me killing my way to enter that market without any foothold, I now have instant access and him to our market as well. Mm -hmm. Right. So... Actually, that brought about good revenue as well for the cash flow because he's funneling in business and likewise, I'm funneling to his. Yep. And 
that's just one core example of um, uh, the, the, the cooperation that I built. Um, other one would be from the Hepno group with, um, in, in Singapore and Malaysia that nice. allowed NextPlay access to that group as well, to that market as well. And to me, as, as an ecosystem builder, that is quite efficient, I'd say, yep. you know, in, in terms of going to different markets that you're not doing it alone. Rather, you're doing it with somebody who's already established and sharing revenue on that front. And it actually allows you to grow faster. Yeah. Right? So that was my strategy. It worked wonders as it actually drives real economics to the business. That's amazing. Now, last question. All right. If if you're gonna go been through a rough, you know, rough journey, my man. But if I gave you the keys to the time machine once again, and you're gonna go solo, I'll just wait here, but you come back. What would be your advice to a young gab? You know, a couple of years ago, probably starting out selling selling pens in Mendiola, right? Uh, <laughs> that that you know. Knowing what you know now, what would be your advice for yourself if you had that opportunity to go all the way back and tell you, you know, what you see, like Kang the Conqueror? What would you say? That's an amazing question. It makes me more imaginative. I'd say, I'd, I'd say to you, my young self is that um, just keep going you'll get to where you want to be. Don't rush it. Don't force it. It's part of the journey. All the challenges you're going to face is part of it. Actually, it's going to help you grow faster than anybody else. So just keep going. Keep going through your storyline in your life. And... You're gonna get to where you want to be eventually. Yeah, that is amazing. Amazing episode, Gab. And again, thank you so much. Thank you so much for finally doing this after multiple dry cups and me getting. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm not gonna let you go without telling us what's up next because again, next play is just getting started, right? What's up next for you guys? What are the the things that we should be looking out for? for next play and what you're going to be doing next. Absolutely. I'm just so pumped to be able to share with the audience what we plan to do at next play, right? Um, as you may know, the whole gaming industry is, is going to the direction of the metaverse. Yep. The NFTs, the play to earn, the blockchain. And we are right now in the middle of the very interesting part of, this, part of the future, right? And it's going to make history. Um, so next play is actually diving into the space, right? We're cooking something that, you know, that is very unique in the region, kind of creating NFTs and also venturing into the play to earn space that we already have a head start because we already have the 200 million followers across our fan base, which we're going to deliver this new offering. We're coining it right now called Next Meta. Next play Next in the metaverse. Meta. All right. That's Man. right. That's exciting. So watch out for that. And we're going to actually launch some stealth projects already in the pipeline. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll launch by next year. 
um, slowly from here on into the next two months, we're going to see um, launching a few um, NFT moves into the market, which I, I think the audience here would uh, hopefully see as well. And we have a big project on the play to earn as we gather and help more people in the gaming space have a very sustainable cash flow and income by playing games. Right? So that's what we aim to deliver. And it has always been part of the vision of Next Play, right? Helping gamers, empowering gamers um, in the digital space and in the metaverse. And right now, we can even further do that through the new technologies of, of blockchain. All right, again, Gab, thank you very much for being on Hustle Share in advance. Merry Christmas. But before I let you go, follow us in whatever podcast app you're listening to, whether it's uh, Apple Podcast, Spotify, or any podcast app in the metaverse. Okay. I don't know if you guys listen to, to that in the metaverse. But again, if you also say, said some jargon, send me the show notes on hustleshare.com. And if you want to be part of the Hustle Share community, just join us in the Hustle Share community on Facebook. Again, Gab, thank you very much. Thank you as well, Ron. I'm really very happy to be here. And I'm also very happy to be able to share my journey all throughout Next Play Up until so far to our audiences. And I hope to be here again for another episode. Absolutely. All right. And I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.